0: We are Michael Veazey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com.
1: LTCV, long-term customer value, is one of the most important concepts in e-commerce selling for this simple reason. The more your existing customers buy from you, the fewer new customers you need to add massive growth to your business. And when you can simply sell more to existing customers, it's not only faster and cheaper, but it's also therefore more profitable. All of those things happen when you can figure out how to sell more to your existing customers. And so we're going to dive into this fun topic today in the podcast. Michael, are you ready to talk all about long-term customer value?
0: Absolutely right. So quick question for you then, you know, my love of semantics, Uh, what's the difference between lifetime customer value and a long-term customer value?
1: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you'll hear those phrases, LTCV or long-term lifetime value. And the way to look at it is long-term customer value is about the journey of the customer with you. And so, you know, you don't know what lifetime customer value is until the customer has left you. And you can see that in the data. You can see, oh, this person was a customer for four years. And uh, then I haven't sold anything to them for the, you know, that that was 10 years ago. And what was the lifetime customer value for that person or that cohort of people? But long-term customer value is more properly thought of in time periods. So for example, if you have, let's just say 100 new customers this week, you know, if you've got 100 new customers this week, that's pretty cool. The question would be, in six months time, what's their long-term customer value? Or in 12 months time from now, what's their long-term customer value? So long-term customer value is always talked about in time periods. You know. So you could say, for example, we know in the data that for the first three years that customers are with us, their average spending is $3,000 or you know whatever it is, $400 or whatever. So long-term customer value is just talked about differently than lifetime value uh, of a customer. And so I think as a marketing team or people you, you know work with, you'll just parse those things out differently. Somebody will ask you, for example, what's your lifetime customer value? And you'll know if they're asking you that, they might not know what they're talking about or they're asking a very granular specific question and you have to know the data to, to answer that question. But more often you would just say, well, I don't know my lifetime customer value because I've only been b- running my business for three years, but my, you know, my long-term customer value currently is, you know, $142, you know, whatever.
0: So that's the way to talk about it and think about these terms, I think i like it i think what you're doing is to make it more specific to a time period and i guess Mm -hmm. a lot of metrics people throw around they talk about roi or a percentage growth in a a mutual fund i'm like yeah if you don't have a time period on that that's meaningless so i like that that reality check and also it gets around that thing if we don't know what the lifetime customer value is because if they're going to be around for 40 years and as a Mm -hmm. customer and our business is in business for the next hundred then how do you measure that we we can't know that so i really like that so one obvious other question forgive me the semantics but I think this is also, for me personally, a very important question. Which value is it that we're measuring? Is it just revenue because it's easier to measure? Or is it profit? And in which case, is it gross profit? Or, or what is it we're measuring?
1: I think the simplest thing to measure is just top-line revenue. And the reason is because, generally speaking, most e-commerce operators have more than one product that a customer will ultimately buy. And every and, and you really track profit at the product level you know, like what's your margin on the product. But if you have, you know, a catalog of, you know, five different types of price points, which we'll talk about in a minute, every one of them will have a different net profit. And so if you have a customer who's bought everything you've got, then, you know, the, you know their profit will be harder to calculate or think about. It's simpler to just talk about how much have they bought from you? You know, what's the top line? And, but you, but you can look at the data and say, well, what's my average coupon redemption usage or my average discount on sales? Those types of aggregated numbers you can apply. So you could say, for example, what's my long term customer value for customers who have been with me for five years? You can find that out. What's my average coupon redemption or discount percentage? You can find that out. And then you start to get at more of the thinking or along the lines of what's an actual customer worth to me in terms of profit. So hopefully that helps a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I guess that prof- revenue is the, the one that we're all conscious of and it's easy to measure. So it does make sense for simplicity. I do know that I've come across people that, that do actually break it down in more mm-hmm. granular and look at gross profit per customer, which is a worthwhile thing. But I guess, yeah, that, that's probably a quality problem to have that much measuring to do. It means that you're doing the other stuff we're talking about well, I guess, right? So And,
1: and that much time to to work on this stuff. Yes, you know, A lot exactly. of people are and like, what are you guys talking about? I don't have yeah. time to think through any of this.
0: Yeah, like, okay, Fair we point. get it. We yeah, get it. you're right.
1: You're absolutely is, right. I will just say this, this type of thinking, this isn't something you do when you're first in the flurry of setting things up. You know, this is something you do after you've run a business for, you know, five, 10 years and you have time to sit around and think, how many customers do we have? How do I find that out? What is their, you know, average number of transactions? How do we find that out? And so it is something that comes with either a big team or, Where you can have a data analyst and they poke around and find things out. Or you've just got more time on your hands because you've run a well-oiled machine and you can start to really think through these things within your business.
0: I guess, yeah, that does make sense. I'm not not sure that my instinct would be to wait five years. I think in the Amazon game, sometimes people can move quicker than that. But as you say, it comes down to how much time you got away from stock management, customer service. Well, let
1: let me say it this way. The longer you run your business, the more familiar you'll get with all of these data points for your business you know like that
0: yeah very very true great well look we've got three ways to do this i like the way you you break this big scary stuff into you know bite-sized chunks so what's the first sort of big area that we need to work on well before we
1: jump into that i just want to point out a few things about data and getting your hands on data and let's have a conversation about that before we get into the three three big ideas because in shopify they give you all the data you you can look to see many many things in shopify about what's happening through your store and, and so you know many times I'm working with clients I just did this literally two two mornings ago you know this last week was with a coaching client I asked the question how many customers do you have they're like I-, I don't know <laughs> like well let, let's click on that customers tab and it'll tell you instantly so it was just fun it was just funny cuz a lot of times we just don't do these things and so in, in their case, I think it was like 18,000 or something like that. And they're like, wow, that's a lot of customers, you know. And, uh, and the customers tab on Shopify gives you a lot of data that if you had never poked around in, you want to poke around in. So, for example, on our you know, primary store, I'm happy to tell you a few of these numbers. So, you know, the first thing you look at in your customers tab is it'll tell you how many uh, customers you have. Uh, our number is 174,622 as of about an hour ago. So we have one hundred and seventy-four thousand customers that have gone through our our little website, and so you should go. You should find that number, and you, your customer. You can therefore then look: what's your what? Which customer has spent the most money with you? You can just sort by ascending, descending, and and find out how you know which customers have spent the most, and what that top two or three or four or five people look like. Um, you want to know that. And it's like, do you know them? Do you know their names? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Is it a big number or a small number? If it's a really, really, really big number, you might consider doing a few nice things to them, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, but but that's important. And then the second thing about data is in Shopify, you can just see the number of transactions you've had. And so we, I just looked an hour ago. So in our shop, we've had 2,764,682 transactions that have flown through our Shopify site since June, 2013 is when we started. So 2.7 million transactions divided into 174,000 customers you can start to see the mathematics that are important to this topic so the number of transactions or, or per customer in our shop is 15.8 so so on average a customer of ours has transacted 15.8 times you need to learn these numbers for your your e-commerce business if now if you sell on shopify it's all there for you i literally just had to do one mathematics on my phone to do that you know the dividing the you know, the 174 into the 2.7 million, but you know, everything else is just laid out there for you. So you want to start to think about this in like 80 20 principles, you know, the Perry Marshall stuff. What does the top 20% of your uh, customer base look like? And what do you do to them to, to uh, positively? You know, can you serve them differently? Perks, discounts, rewards, a thank you note from the heart, all these things. Now, is any of this relate to Amazon selling, Michael? Is
0: there is all of that completely off Amazon? Well, not completely. Now it depends on when people listen to this in the latest sort of state of play with Amazon and customer lists, so because okay. one of the hacks that I've used before to do this is you do what's called an email append. So basically, you download your customer data from Amazon, and if you've got, you know, if you've been serving for a while, you, you might well have like a hundred thousand uh, customers, yeah. and the, the numbers add up quickly with Amazon. That's when the upsides of Amazon you can make a lot of sales, and then if you email append, what that means is you put it through a service which will match them up and you can get 25, 30% email append data. So what you can do then is with some services, and I'll have to check which ones work the latest and, and put them in the show notes, but I have in the past certainly used Zon Pages, for example, which may or may not do this anymore, which mm-hmm. will identify the repeat customers and also the, the value of the customers. So you can get that data. I mean, Amazon's got that data for yeah. sure. Yeah. Will they share it with you? Kind of not really, but you can hack your way around it. To what extent can you? well that's getting harder all the time so it's yet another reason to have an off amazon component to your business because you don't necessarily have to uh, get all the hard data from amazon to be able to start to identify the valuable customers a different point which is not an amazon point very jealous of the the ability you guys have on Shopify to you know, uh, know who your top customers are. The twenty percent of the twenty percent of the twenty percent—that is about one percent of your customers—are mm-hmm. probably worth phoning up, driving round with a Cadillac because you know the really like the top handful probably, yeah. according to the theory of the eighty-twenty curve, which Perry Marshall's deep-dived into, could be worth tens of thousands of dollars to you. It's a crazy thought, but the, the theory of the math says that. What a very small handful of people will buy a startlingly high amount of stuff from you. So that stuff goes deep, but so I won't go into that any further.
1: I have 174,000 customers, so one percent of that would be 1,740 customers.
0: Yeah, if if you took those and bought the tw- you know one percent of those, you'd probably find a handful of people that would buy. You know a crate, a startlingly high amount according to the theory of the 80 curve, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so the whole 80 20 thing is just you can go geek out over that till you know uh-huh. the cows come home. I yes. will say this the question is, what is an appropriate treatment? Now, sometimes you, you just have to think it through w- would they like perks, rewards, discounts, personal acknowledgement, personal, you know, thank yous, a, a phone call? Or would that creep them out, freak them out, and they, you know, you'd, you'd scare them away? I don't yeah. know. I mean, you have to decide what's appropriate for your context, for your customer base, and but I can tell you one thing: most people appreciate the status of being talked to you know, directly from the founder or owner of a business. I mean, that feels very, you know, we've all been in that situation where it's like, oh, you're the owner of the restaurant. Oh, nice to meet you. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Who doesn't like that frequently? Well, I mean, if you do it right. Yeah, I
0: mean, phone call might creep them out, but let me just give you an example of, uh, and then we ought to move on to the three ways, but just an example of slightly going down the rabbit hole. We're not really there. The the value of the top 1% of anything is normally way, way bigger than you can even imagine. That's what I would say. I, I was not particularly valuable affiliate to one of the companies that i work with i think they work in currency exchange but one day i was sitting down with my wife and this guy just turned up at the door not a random person a postman or something delivered a massive box of wonderful chocolates And my wife was duly massively impressed made me yeah. look good in front of my wife and it was just a gift from them to say thanks for being an affiliate i wasn't even a very good affiliate but you know to be honest they they, they nailed it they've never bothered to send it again so obviously they've realized but you know if they'd sent round that plus like a gift wrapped amazing hamper or something i would have been wow this is amazing yeah, and if you do that for somebody who's made you twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars, because that's how valuable the top, you know, zero point one percent of your customers can be. They literally will make you more than everybody else combined if you really look at the profits. Wow. Uh, according to the theory, if you really know to be continued. But yeah. you know, it's worth treating them like a god, and that that is something I could definitely get behind. Getting a hamper or box of chocks what do you it's mean what's a hamper i don't get it what what's a mean? hamper a hamper is a, i guess it's like traditionally a wickerwork basket which is what? full of lovely picnic things and gorgeous gift traditional bas- things a gift basket is what we i call guess that. a gift yeah. basket yeah yeah exactly it's a Where traditional speak- christmas thing <laughs> Where we speak english over
1: in america we call it a gift basket <laughs>
0: You're, you call it a hamper That's yeah i guess amazing. i would call it uh, a okay, christmas good. hamper yeah well let me just say this Yes, we get down a rabbit hole here. We no, must no, get no, to your way, is, number is,
1: one. No, this is powerful because treating yeah. your top customers is a way yeah. to increase your long-term customer value. Because treat- here's the thing. If you treat all of them, you might move them by like a dollar. Like, yeah. okay, I treated all my people and they increased by a dollar. But if you treat your top 1%, they could double or triple or quadruple their sales and that adds up. So what they did to you, which is really super smart, is... They increased your perceived status in your household with a simple gift because in Jen's eyes, you're the best affiliate marketer she probably knows.
0: She was very impressed. I and have she to say. got the benefit, man. She <laughs> yes, got the she chocolates. <laughs> It really was a very smart move by them. I I kind of feel bad that I didn't really, you know, wasn't very much from affiliate because, frankly, what they offered wasn't any different to, you know, a couple of the other guys I offered. But I mean, yeah, it's an example that, I mean, what I I did, let's just do a tiny bit of math on this and then let's get into this. So, how, out of 100, let's do this live in real time, Jason, on your business, 174,000 customers. So, what's the sort of, how, how many, what's the sort of value of, of the output in total with that. Oh. Well, it depends on how you track it. I'm not sure I want to disclose much more than That's I That's fair thought. enough. No, we, we, well, let's, yeah, uh, I'm just going to um, say I can, I could do some numbers. If you want to run these kinds of numbers for yourselves, folks, yeah, 8020curve.com right. is yeah. the place to go and geek out because, in theory, well, we'll talk about this, but in theory, it can just become incredibly powerful I, if you have I will a, say super this. expensive thing. I will say this about
1: our numbers. Every business is different, but one of the things you want to get your handle a uh, handle on is what is your average transaction value and as soon as you know your average transaction value, you can do all this math and rip through it really fast and then because the average transaction value generally will have more than one unit in it you know so so more than one product frequently to be they'll buy two or whatever it is and so that's where where you'll learn immediately how much you know you can say oh i've had this many customers average transactions value of this amount and then that third that third math equation number you're you're asking for is what is the average transaction value that number i could share i guess but i'm not going to but then that would tell you exactly what your your holistic view looks like and so i think those are the math components to work through
0: yeah Yeah, so here's what I can say, with the 8020curve.com, you need to know the total number of members in, in, for example, a prospect pool, the number of members that responded, that is your customers, and the value of the output, and it will basically report to you, based on the 8020curve, how many people would buy something at the cost of X. But if you decided to sell something for $5,000, how many people would buy it? 50,000. And if you've got 174,000 people, mathematically, you'll probably have one person, one insane person who will buy something for $50,000 from you. It's got to be worth 50. But that's the theory, you know, and that's that's something to discuss.
1: You've brought us right to our first way in which to increase long-term customer value. So that was a perfect segue. Honestly. And so the f- the first thing you, well, that's our second, th- that's number two. Sorry, I apologize. So let's go for the first one. The first one is resell more effectively to your existing customers. Now, this sounds obvious, but let me just prompt a few thoughts here that will, I think, unlock a few concepts for people. The, the question to ask yourself is, what's the replenishable of your product. Like how often do they need a second one of it? Is it a one-time purchase in a lifetime? Like, Hey, I- I'm never going to need another uh, funeral, like graveyard plot. Cause I uh, will, I'll be dead when I use it type thing that, you know, or is it uh, something where it's like, Oh, I need this. I, I, I eat, I eat these pills every day. <laughs> I need to, a- I need a new bottle once a month. And so you want to think through how often does your customer need to replace the thing that they bought from you? And here's the critical thing in that time frame are you relevant right there in the moment timely with your presentation of a repurchase so if you know that your product on average lasts 6 months maybe it's a tube of toothpaste or i don't know how long those last but you, you get the idea a bottle of pills or you know whatever it is you you want to ask yourself the question am i present in this person's life now you know some the some some businesses are such long term sales cycles like how often do you buy a car I don't know, every five, six years. How often do you buy a house? I don't know, every 10 years, 20 years. The the, the agents of, the sales agents are very rarely the same person you use. You know, just consider your own experience. But it, but the f- more frequent that becomes, like, you know, I, I love, you know, Coke Zero. I buy it. You know once a week from Hagen market right down the street from my house, so you want to think through that like fr- frequency and how do you be the one they buy from and so that's the first thing second thing is could you set them up on a subscribe and save now this is Amazon pioneered but it it was older off you know Amazon before that, but subscription box type program now you can implement this in shopify sites as well now uh subscribe and save is generally the phrase people use where it's a recurring order setup and so rather than just sell them one item, sell them the item and ask them if they'd like to be getting it every month. And then you've sold them, in essence, an unlimited number, but you can forecast you know, 12 in the next 12 months. So that's second, the second thing. And then the third thing I would just prompt you to think about is how do you systematically turn the one-time buyer into the repeat customer? And Shopify will give you those numbers. In fact, on the, on the customer tab, it tells you. So for in our business, for example, there's like 81,000 repeat customers out of the 174,000 total customers. So how do you, how do you systematically get them to buy that second thing? So those are three questions asked, all focused on how do you resell more effectively?
0: Excellent. Really Love this that. stuff. This is great. I mean, this is the stuff that to really build your profits out. So, you know, you, you talk about the profit uh, models as one of the big drivers, one of the big categories of our podcast, one of your big, you know, sort of uh, obsessions. And I think this is how you build profitability and sustainability into a business. A couple of other thoughts. I mean, actually, some of the most famous and successful car salesmen, some of whom have written books about sale, do indeed Uh, resell a car once every three years for several years and actually that puts them streets streets ahead of everybody else and obviously there's the other thing which is referrals which is harder to engineer in in an e-commerce world but we can talk about the equivalent of that Mm affiliates i've got some thoughts on that later but james franco famously of super fast business who work less, make more very astute business guy very 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 smart is exactly Mm -hmm. an example of that so i guess Mm -hmm. another way of another term i've heard for this is increasing average order frequency which is a a slightly different take on the same thing that i suppose that implies a frequency and a rhythm Mm -hmm. and what you're talking about is fine-tuning the rhythm of our sales offers and our communications with the natural rhythm of the Mm -hmm. buying cycle. And I think that's incredibly important because the more we're in tune with our customers, the more we're going to be able to just be there at the right time when they need us. And to your point of not bothering people equally, not being there when they don't need us. Because if we just kind of hammer them with emails 24 Mm seven for an offer of something they clearly won't need for six months, they're just going to unsubscribe. So yeah, the the opposite also applies, I think. Totally agree.
1: Yeah. Love it. Okay. So the second big way to increase long-term customer value is sell them more things. Now I know that sounds again super obvious, but let me break this one down and just I've got you know five or six things we can you know talk about here. So so let me just ask you this question like this: Can I sell this person something else they already are buying that's similar to what I sell? And this gets to lots of phrases for this exist. Integrated product suite, be the most complete provider is the phrase that I love from Growing a Business, Paul Hawkins' book. It's it's the idea that if you customer is buying something for a reason, a product, for a project or a product to solve a problem, there's probably relevant related things that they would also buy at the same time in the same moment. And can you be that seller? Or are you allowing them or forcing them to go buy that stuff from somebody else? And so that's a real interesting thing to think through in terms of your product suite or product offerings is, you know, can you be the the most complete seller to the person. Michael, feel free to jump in on any of these. I got a little list here. I think there's five or six here I'm going to
0: mention. Yeah, that. this is great. Love this. And uh, the idea of being the most complete provider, I like this very much. Obviously this is not so much an Amazon hack as, as copying Amazon's uh, strategy which is yeah. the everything store concept. But uh, but also notice that Jeff Bezos didn't start off being the everything store. It started off being all books store. And, right. and their big selling point was you can get a bigger offering online than yep. you could get in any individual bookstore. And I guess like Amazon, the obvious And I want to dig into this a little bit more in a minute, but is is to use other people's products to fill out the suite. Amazon does not sell a complete range of products that they buy themselves or that they private label themselves. They do, however, have a very complete range of products because they use third-party sellers to fill out the offering. And I think there's a big clue in, in both of those concepts.
1: Well, it's easy to overlook the fact of the situation, but when Amazon started, what Bezos did was look for a product category that he could get disintermediation related to that was a huge category. And so, what he did do immediately was become the most complete provider in books. And that's not to be overlooked. I mean, that's that's why Amazon was successful. Is because yeah. he found the whatever it is, whatever book index thing or whatever you find the, the book, all the books. And he made all the books available, whereas your local retailer will only have like, you know, 5,000 books or 10,000 books or whatever they have. And so that was his first breakthrough was how do you disintermediate at a huge scale? But then you're right. Obviously, he went to DVDs and media and whatever his journey was for expanding into different categories. But when he did, he expanded in those categories like nobody's business. I mean, it was just like, let's bring all the potential opportunities for somebody to buy something. And I mean, book buyers buy books, you know, like I buy books all the time. I'm a book. You can see in my background, if you're watching via video, I've got just, I've got more books than I know what to do with. And so anyway, so that you get the idea. So that's, that's selling more to, to the existing customer that you have. Yeah.
0: And by the way, I think that implies again, the thing that we were just talking about, which is kind of obvious, but worth restating all the time. The customer centricity that that Amazon has mm-hmm. links to the fact that if you want to be a complete provider, you need to understand what are those other things that somebody wants. Now, the danger of taking the Amazon example is a kind of scattergun approach because Amazon kind of sells everything, right. but they didn't start with everything. And also, we can't afford to try and be that uh, scattergun for most of us. So mm-hmm. it comes down to what has the other, th- what are the other things in the sort of universe of obsession that a book buyer would want? Or in your case, a, in my case, a business book buyer, which is a different world, yeah. a much smaller one. But then how can you be complete within that world? And I guess it comes yeah. down to knowing your customer. Yeah, totally right. And so that's the, that's the first little tip here on sell them more.
1: A second thing that you, the question to ask is can you sell them something else immediately? In the point of, at the point of sale. Now, you know, in retail stores, they have this, it's famous. You got the magazine rack up by the checkout line. You got the, the gum and the candy bars. And, you know, they have those vending machines with the bottles of Coke right there at the checkout or whatever. They do that because they know that you'll throw those in your cart. That's just, it's designed for that. Now we can do that same thing in terms of e-commerce world where we ask the question, what else would they immediately want to buy that's related? And it could, you know, Russell Brunson's breakthrough thinking with ClickFunnels that he's tested over and over. You know, he tells everybody the best offer that you can, you know, extend the sale and and increase the order value is just offer them a two pack. Hey, you want to, you want two? (laughs) <laughs> like, which sounds so stupidly obvious. is like, wait, what? You just say, do you want another one? <laughs> it's like, yes, actually. Many times customers will be, oh, I, I better stock up a little. I better get a second one. And it actually, it happened. But there are many other things. It Depending on how expensive your product is, you could offer a warranty. You could offer an upsell or cross-sell. You could offer things that are immediately needed, as, as we've talked about. So In the checkout process, this is it's more technical, but in Shopify, you know, you can use bull propped upsells as an app. And immediately offer them something that's relevant. And in that way, sell them more right in the moment.
0: I mean, again, this is something in the Amazon universe, just to quickly, as you said, to try and sort of relate it back to people who are 100% on Amazon or mostly. It's hard to do the actual upselling, cross-selling, downselling on Amazon. You can try and hack things by engineering the fact that your products get sold together and then it will show up as also sold with or people often buy this when they buy this, that sort of stuff. I think a more reliable way is to do your best to try and capture customer data outside the Amazon space space and then have an email list and then you can send them back to amazon as the sales channel mm-hmm. uh, but have them as a nurture channel and as if you like an upsell downsell cross-sell channel on email or indeed facebook or chatbot or anything else you'd like so i think these yeah. days i would always advocate a hybrid you don't have to try and replicate amazon's uh, conversion rates and ability to sell and customer trust mm-hmm. what you can do is, is is use a hybrid model and that's working quite well and that's increasingly what the smart sellers i see out there are doing Totally right. Okay. And so, so let's keep going on this little
1: list here. So this is just how to sell them more. So the the next thing you can ask yourself, the question is, can you sell them something that's a lot more expensive? And, and what I mean by a lot more expensive is like 10 times more expensive than your current product. Uh, like think this through and you might say to yourself, what in the world are you talking about? But just think it through. Like, you know, I, there's a, a guy who wrote a book, Bob pfeiffer whose books called w profits and he has a good little quote he says pick the price point then design the product not the other way around and that's such counterintuitive thinking most people don't do the opposite they they just you know they they create a product and like how much can this sell for uh 14 bucks but what if you said i want to sell something for 1400 dollars or $14,000. Like what in the world could you possibly sell that's like that? I don't know. I mean, it depends on your category and your niche, but I can give you some clues or, or hints. Can you sell them an experience? Hey, let's all meet up in Houston, Texas and hang out for a weekend. We're going to have a big, huge, you know, Comic-Con or whatever in your industry, you know, event that happens. Can you go on a cruise with your customers? Can you go on an African safari with your customers? Can you take your customers to Japan or China or you wherever? Like, could you actually create an experiential product for them that they would really, really love? And so the that experiential offer can frequently be orders of magnitude more expensive. Go ahead, this. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. This
0: is really, really good. So I'm just running some numbers on the eighty twenty 20 curve. So if we took, say, if you've got a total of, Without revealing anything about your business that we shouldn't, let's just take a stab and say what the average value of the output of this was just ten dollars each. According to the eighty twenty curve, which I found, by the way, frighteningly accurate, you could probably get eight hundred people that was pay you a thousand bucks. You could probably get fifty seven people to pay you ten thousand bucks, and even according to this, three members. Uh, uh, Theoretically, would pay you hundred thousand for something. Now, it's got to yeah. be worth hundred thousand. But uh, cruises right. are pretty expensive. If you put them on five cruises, mm-hmm. you could be looking at hundred thousand. Right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's incredible how deep this goes. And uh, yeah. I think this is one of those things where people overlook this because they think, oh, that's a freak. That's like one point oh one percent. I'm like, yeah, but three hundred thousand, which you haven't had to pay any extra to get the cut that's three hundred thousand profit or whatever. Whoever takes mm-hmm. that money, yeah. maybe as an affiliate, you take a ten percent cut. So you've made thirty thousand, but that really yeah. affects your profit. I mean, it's That's really right. not subtle.
1: No, it's not. And big doors swing on little hinges, as they say.
0: Hey there, folks. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The E commerce Leader. Today's topic was uh, three ways to increase the long-term customer value and scale up your sales, not to mention your profits, of course. Today, we've spoken a lot about the data side. And uh, obviously, as an Amazon-based seller, I'm quite jealous of the amount of data that Shopify owners get another reason to consider having your own uh store if you do sell primarily on amazon of course if you're selling on a shopify already i guess you already don't need any convincing on that but one of the things that we need to think about is really uh, the sort of data you get on amazon you can do a customer email uh, append so downloading the customer data and insofar as you can get an analysis done on that I'd really recommend that you do that. Amazon is probably, depending on when you listen to this, closing the gates on that to quite some degree. They're getting more and more protective of the customer data. So two things. Number one, grab it while you can, if you can. And the other thing is, obviously, you need to build up assets that will get you customer data off Amazon. And one way to do that, of course, is that if you're driving people to Amazon from off Amazon places like your website, if you're doing SEO on a website to then sell on Amazon, which is a good hybrid that quite a few people I know in the masterminds I run are doing, then you might want to consider that. And by the way, there are quite a few people that are doing that these days, but it's not very fashionable, even though it's really common sense. But of course, the other thing is to just once you've identified your top buyers, and your customers who really spend a disproportionately huge amount, then hand holding them and and really doing manual sales. So I think that's a, a concept that is very, very underused because everyone's obsessed with scaling and automation. Uh, so if you get a chance to do that, I think you're already going to stand ahead of your cus- competition's way of doing things if you do that. So next up, we are going to be talking uh, about the and uh, and deepening the three ways of doing things that that we have to increase the long term customer value, I should say. So keep listening. And if you want to hear this sort of stuff, don't forget to subscribe to the e-commerce leader. And last but not least, if you have a chance to give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts, we'd be enormously grateful as a way to repay us for hopefully giving you the information you need to be the best e-commerce leader you can be. We are Michael Veazey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com.